Today is Monday, December 11th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Anthony Fauci says he doesn't need God. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts. As we're getting through the news of the cray together each and every weekday morning, bright and early. Joining me now, Billy Hallowell on this Monday morning. Billy, happy Monday. What's up? Happy Monday. Excited to dive into another week. Yeah, we're going to talk about these comments that Anthony Fauci made because I, I think it's relevant given the positions he's had and has uh, and very, very eye-opening comments. So uh, we'll get into all that coming up. What do we have on the focus story today? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this Arizona pastor who was shot while street preaching. We've got some updates on his condition. Yeah, super tragic story there for a guy faithfully out there preaching the word. So looking forward to the update on that. Also on the main thing, George Thomas talks to Chuck Holton on the latest on Armenia as they're seeking a peace deal with Azerbaijan, even though there's a still threat of genocide looming there. So a lot to get to today. On the podcast, of course, latest on Israel's well. We'll get to all that and more coming up. But first, here's the news in 90 seconds. And Saturn Internet Live ran a skit over the weekend mocking the GOP after three university presidents humiliated themselves in front of Congress with testimony on anti-Semitism on campus. It was a new parody skit over the weekend. And... During the interrogation last week in the congressional hearing, of course, Republican House members grilled presidents of Harvard University, University of Pennsylvania, and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, about growing anti-Jewish hate in their student bodies. And they were widely panned for their testimonies, for their inability to condemn anti-Semitism. In fact, the University of Pennsylvania president resigned over the weekend, but Saturday Night Live thought it was necessary to mock the GOP end of that grilling. And a former top Hamas official says Gaza madmen, including infamous leader Yahya Sinwar, caused the war and that everyday Palestinians don't support them. This is according to a newly released interrogation video by IDF. He said, this is a group of madmen that Sinwar leads. They destroyed the Gaza Strip and set it back 200 years. And Anthony Fauci explained that although he identifies as Catholic, his personal ethics on life are so strong that he has no need to practice religion. He said, it seems like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. Those are some of today's top headlines. You can read more over at CBNNews.com. A couple things I want to touch on, Billy. We'll get to Fauci here in a minute. But I had to mention this Saturday Night Live bit. I I could not believe that Saturday And I didn't even watch the thing because I, I didn't want to watch Saturday Night Live because it's never funny. But it was just insane to me that they decided to go after the GOP members on this, including Representative Elise uh, Stefanik, who just asked a simple question. Is it against your code of conduct? to call for the genocide of Jews. And these presidents all tried to dance around this answer. They were sitting there going, we have a YouTube of it, a video of it on uh, our YouTube channel where you can see clips from these guys going up there and, and just unbelievable, really. It just 
And they're like, well, if it turns into action, and she's like, well, what do you mean? If they start, it's not an offense unless they start committing genocide on your campus. Uh, it was just a wild scene, and it just shows where we're at, Billy, that Saturday Night Live then decides to mock the Republicans for criticizing, and not even criticizing, but just asking these questions. Yeah, I mean, with this whole situation, you have to wonder why would they miss the why would they miss the mark like know. that? Because nobody's nobody's out there. The, Democrats the focus has been Democrats have right. been criticizing them. This has been like pretty universal panning here. Yeah, I mean, nobody's out there making fun of the questioner in this case. It's the people who couldn't do their get their testimony right. One of them has resigned, right? So yeah, I, mean, I don't. Know, I just the, the whole thing is just <clears throat> incredibly wild to me. And, you know, they're going to hide behind, oh, it's satire, but what a, what a missed opportunity to actually mock the people who deserve it yeah. in this case. It really feels just like a liberal political comedy show at this point, something they think is funny, and it, it's just not reflective of society at all. So sign of the times there from Saturday Night Live. But uh, I really wanted to talk about this Fauci clip, Billy, and it really is something else. Uh, it, it really is uh, because he's in there talking and then, oh, you grew up Catholic, I grew up Catholic and I was baptized and and I was confirmed and all of these things. But very telling comments to me that he said my personal ethics on life are so strong that he didn't didn't really need to to worship God at all because he kind of has it all figured out. And it really is just another way of saying it. If I'm translating this and the what I'm seeing him saying there. And he wouldn't admit it in this language, but this is what he's saying is, well, I do fine on my own. I'm my own God. I don't really need God. Um, I, I think I know what's right and wrong, and I don't have to look to God for what's right and wrong. I mean, that's what he's saying there. Yeah. Well, it seems... <laughs> It, it seems sort of sad to me, this idea that, you know, you don't, my personal ethics are so strong. What does that mean? Like, who says they're strong? You right. say they're strong? Like, right. what's your standard for the strength exactly. of these personal ethics that you claim to have? And I think that's the danger with all this, and we, we're seeing it throughout culture. But it's particularly troubling and bizarre when that's the person, and I know from the world's perspective, they're not going to have this this perspective on it, but when that's the person who's calling all the shots for yep. how society is going to behave yep. during a pandemic, well, you better really hope that that person's personal ethics are truly as strong as they're claiming yeah. because, you know, I, this magical you know litmus test that we don't really know where it comes from since right. it's apparently not God. Right. And it reminds me of the comments that, uh, con well, former conservative commentator S.C. Cup, I don't know if she's still conservative or not, but she's an atheist. And she used to say that um, she'd rather have a Christian in office because they answer to a higher power. She understood this problem with the rel moral relativity that if you just made your own rules, well, it just kind of depends on who you get in there. Uh, but then if you answer to a higher power and you have, of course, God's standard, well, it's going to be a backstop for you. And so when you see this comments from someone who had the, the power during COVID that Fauci had to where he's just like, yep, I've got it all figured out. I'm making my own rules here goes to show, I mean, it, to me, it, it shows how he could do the quote unquote good lie, which was the masks at the beginning. Like, well, we, we didn't tell the full truth about the masks because we wanted to, you know, make sure that they didn't all get, there was a run on masks and that the health professionals couldn't get them. You know, if you're, if you're trying to follow God, you're not going to lie to people. You're going to tell them the truth and you're going to say, Hey, look, you know, here's the situation. And then you're going to trust people to make the right decision. But he didn't view it that way. 
And he was able to justify to himself that this was a good thing to lie about because in his mind, it was for the greater good. And that's a very dangerous path to go down. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I think it kind of, yeah, you, and you don't want to base everything off of one clip, but at the same right, time, no. based on what we hear, it's a pretty big clip say, though. Yeah. Well, it is because I mean, uh, and the moral framework of, well, I thought it was okay to lie. Like you're saying, I thought it was okay to lie because it was going to help in this area. I mean, and I set my own or, my, uh, morals and ethics and standards. I don't know that that is just to me, I, I want my leaders to be, you know, fear, fearful, reverent of, of God, right? I'm not right. saying every leader has to be, but, but ideally that would be wonderful. And I think yeah. when we're living in a country where the leaders are not thinking that way, it becomes troubling. It does become troubling. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, well, let's hope we get a benevolent leader in there because if you get somebody who doesn't, um, doesn't even care about, doesn't even like Fauci thinks he has good morals. Well, there are some people that don't even really care at all right? About trying to be even quote unquote good by society standards. And then what do you do with that? Then somebody like Fauci wouldn't have an argument because it's, well, I guess it's whatever their morals are. So it's, uh, that's to me a sign of, um, again, another sign of the times that people are just willing to be their own gods and put their own rules and regulations ahead of anything else. And I, you know, I, again, I just think that's a very, very dangerous path to go down. And I thought it was worth highlighting because this is, this is uh, the sort of leader that we have in power these days. And, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's going to lead us down, I think, potentially very, very dark path. So we got to call out that thinking when we see it. All right. We are going to move on to the focus story now. And there's an update on this Arizona Christian street preacher who was shot in the head while out street preaching and his wife took to social media to ask for prayers and we had posted about that when it happened. So what's the update on the story here, Billy? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty big update. We still don't know a ton of information, but his father has also spoken out to media, um, which, which is interesting and we were able to discern a little bit more. But Hans Schmidt, he's 26 years old. Um, he has been apparently moved out of intensive care. Um, and, you know, he was in a very serious you know, condition after this, this shooting on November 15th. He really, they thought he might die. He might not be alive. <clears throat> His wife had noted, had noted this in her postings that he should have been dead. He has been moved out of intensive care. He is now in a long-term care section of the hospital. They have said that his condition is still delicate, um, but again, he's improving, obviously. He wouldn't have been moved out of intensive care. So that's an answer to prayer and, um, you know, an important one. And we've also got now surveillance video of the moments after the shooting. Mm. And it's pretty disturbing footage. You can't really see a lot, but you see him standing up on the street corner, falling to the ground, getting back up. Um, that's presumably the moment that he was shot. And so police are trying to use that footage to find the person. They still do not know who did this. Was the person on foot? Were they in a car? These are details that we still don't know. There's a $10,000 reward uh, for more answers. Wow. Can you give us uh, a little bit more on the backstory about what happened here? Yeah. So for those who don't know, again, this is Hans Schmidt. He's 26 years old and he was out preaching, which apparently he normally did. He's not the pastor of a of this church out in Arizona, but he's a street preacher. He's an evangelist and a leader there. Um, he was out there and <clears throat> he was shot on November 15th 
in, in cold blood on the middle of the street, um, just right outside with cars driving by. You can see in the footage, um, really bizarre situation. Initially, it was thought that he was assaulted. He had a head wound. And it's kind of strange. They didn't realize that he had been shot until they did a CT scan at the hospital. Um, and he started, they thought he was having a seizure, I guess. And they realized, okay, he's been shot, actually. It's not just an assault. Um, and so, you know, that that's sort of the backstory. It's really, again, it's bizarre because there's no information on why this happened. Was it somebody angry over him preaching? Was it just a random attack? We have no idea. All we know is that this is a young husband and father of two who his entire life, his family's entire life has been appended by this tragedy. Yeah. And look, it's, it's God bless him for being out there and preaching the word. And I just think, Hey, this is maybe an indication that you need to go with somebody. If you're out there preaching, um, by yourself, you know, just, just so that uh, you can have somebody with you. I mean, maybe he could have gotten a help a little faster if, because like you said, they were confused as to what exactly happened because there was nobody there other than the people who did it and they left obviously. So, um, you know, there was nobody there to really give the doctors the details on what happened. They sort of had to piece it together just, um, which obviously can be tricky in the chaos. So, you know, make sure you go, go with somebody, but how uh, can people be praying for this guy now and this family uh, in the wake of this? Yeah, you know, obviously praying for, you know, his continued recovery. His father, um, Eric, told local media that he actually opened his eyes recently. He could open his eyes when he went to visit him. Um, so, again, there's there's progress that, you know, but you've got a bullet through the head here and you've got yeah. you know, potential brain injuries. So praying for him to just heal in those areas. Also for the police that they could find who is responsible for this and that whoever in the community knows they would come forward and they would give information on what unfolded, we pray for the kids too. You know, his his young kids who their father now for almost a month has been, you know, incapacitated in a hospital because of what somebody did to him. So a lot of different prayer points, um, but obviously the main one is just for his healing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, again, God bless this family and this young man for going out there and faithfully preaching the word. And um, now he's obviously in this condition, and we're all praying for him and. And for his family and for his recovery, and we, you know, we'd love to see him back up and and out soon. So appreciate the update on that one, Billy. All right, we're gonna head over to the main thing now. And despite fears of genocide, Armenia, they're now seeking a peace deal with Azerbaijan. Despite um, everything they're going through, this is obviously it would be a huge step, and you know they're obviously desperate here. And this is a story that's escaped a lot of notice. Billy's been reporting on it. Uh, as it's been going on as well and getting updates there. Well, now George Thomas from CBN caught up with our own Chuck Holton, to, who has traveled to Armenia several, several times uh, to get more on what's going on with this potential peace deal and um, the ongoing uh, threat of genocide there in Armenia. That's today's main thing. This Armenian monastery behind me is called Tatev, and it's over 1,100 years old. It's also one of the most popular tourist spots in the entire country of Armenia. And this is the area that is under threat from Azerbaijan, who now says that this is what they call Western Azerbaijan, and they're claiming that this land belongs to them. Please do not forget your true Christian brothers and sisters in Armenia that are being attacked and forcibly removed from their homelands right now. 
Maybe all Christian countries will come to our defense so we don't disappear from the map. Chuck Holton is now, uh, joins us now from Jerusalem for more on the situation in Armenia. Chuck, real quickly, you've done extensive travel and reporting from Armenia. First, give us some background on this conflict. So uh, this conflict has been going on for more than 30 years, basically since the fall of the Soviet Union. There are 120,000, at, at that time about 300,000 uh, Armenians that lived in what is known as the Nagorno-Karabakh district, or what the Armenians call the Republic of Artsakh. And unfortunately for them, that was in an area that was surrounded by Azeri territory, inside Azerbaijan. It's about a four-hour drive from the border of Armenia. But they were all Armenian people, and they wanted to join with Armenia. But instead, uh, as they made a bid for their own sovereignty, uh, the Azeris attacked them, and um, Armenia got involved and ended up pushing the Azeri army back uh, and then holding that territory for more than 30 years, up until about uh, 2020, when the Army of Azerbaijan uh, basically had built up their military to the point where they were able to push the Armenians out of most of the region, uh, but maintaining about 120,000 ethnic Armenians in that region, uh, in their ancestral homelands. Well, in September of this year, the Azeris decided to take that completely, and they pushed out all 120,000 of those people, almost to a man. And uh, th those people are now internally displaced or refugees inside Armenia. Uh, and the big problem is that Azerbaijan likely is not done. They're saying that they want to take a sliver of southern Armenia as well in order to join uh, Azerbaijan with an exclave of uh, ethnic Azeris that lives in a, a country called Nakichevan. Uh, and this really worries the people that are in that southern province of Armenia because that's the province yeah. that the Azeris are, are looking at. Chuck, there's talk about uh, a peace talk underway. What's your take? Well, the, both... Uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan have said they wanted to have a peace deal and that they're really willing to do some confidence-building measures to move toward a peace deal, like an exchange of, of prisoners and that sort of thing. The thing that the Armenians are worried about, though, is because they are so weak right now, they don't have their traditional ally, Russia, to help them out. Uh, Azerbaijan has actually been getting closer to Russia, and so they're afraid that uh, Azerbaijan is just reaching out a hand of peace in order to stab them in the back with the other hand. And uh, they're they're very very concerned about that southern province called Sunik. Um, one one minute left. Do we have other players involved in this uh, geopolitical conflict? Well, yes. I mean, you have uh, Turkey, which is an ally of Azerbaijan uh, that would love nothing more than to see that pan-Turkic alliance uh, between them, and they would need that corridor in order to do it. Uh, Iran has uh, sort of made noises that they would rather that the Azeris not take that land. Uh, and uh, again, Russia is sort of pulling back and almost allying more with uh, Azerbaijan. And so the United States has gotten involved with the Armenians by doing some military training with them for the first time ever, and that obviously alienated Russia even more and probably led up to this threat uh, actually getting worse against Armenia. Okay, Chuck, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks so much for that report. Chuck and George, we will uh, link to that uh, interview so you can see kind of the background where Chuck was and everything else if you'd like. Uh, we'll leave that in the description of this 
podcast episode. All right. That's going to leave us with time on the pod for one last thing. And I thought it'd be fitting today to hit Psalm 14.1. We might have hit this one recently, but I think we got to do it again. And the fool in his heart says there is no God. And look, we're wired this way, Billy. We're wired to know that the creator's there. Romans 1, we read that as well, that we're without excuse because of the creation around us. It's self-evident. God's existence is self-evident. And the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yep. And you got Proverbs 16 too. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And that reminds me of uh, what we talked about today too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's self-evident stuff, right? It really is. And we're kind of, Romans 1, again, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. I mean, that's just our sinful nature. We're prone to do that. So pray that God continues to open people's eyes to him and draw uh, people to himself for his own glory and for our own good, really. So Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we're going to return here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. We'll see you then.